Hello, and welcome to the 32nd episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making the impact on their communities throughout Chicago and Illinois. For our return listeners, welcome back, and thank you so much for your continued support. And if this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, welcome. We're always glad when you find us here. All of this is made possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners, including Evolve Her, a centralized digital hub that curates best-in-class resources, tools, and events to help advance women professionally and personally. And of course, our regular podcast home when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs, innovation, and technology. And I'm Becky Carroll, President and CEO of C-Strategies, and I'm also your host, Return listeners know the broadcast has recently been focusing uh, exclusively on highlighting the intersection of issues that dominated the political and social narrative of the past year, racism, privilege, equity, social justice, corruption, and economic uncertainty. Today's guest, Tiffany Hightower, is well-versed in many of these aspects through her work with the nonprofit organizations, government agencies, and of course, the world of politics. And we're going to talk to her about all of that and more as part of her current role as executive director of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation. Tiffany, welcome to the broadcast. Why, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Becky, and talk about at least some of those things in the time frame that we have. So I'm really excited. I am too. So we will just kick this off and get started. But, you know, over the last year since the pandemic hit, you know, we've been kicking off our podcast asking guests like how they and their families have been doing during this crisis. So how have you been doing and how have you been handling all this yourself? Well, so I think one of the things as we talk about as as leaders, one of the things I struggled with being more home than not was this notion of work-life balance. So I don't know if a lot of people went through that, but I found that maybe I didn't take as great care of myself or my boundaries weren't as strong when the pandemic kind of started. And as we got into the working season, I just wanted to keep working. You find yourself working until midnight or um, sending emails or waking up because your sleep schedule is all off. So I think Mm -hmm. as as we've gone into this, (laughs) this, uh, what is looking like the second phase, the second year, um, because the first anniversary was on my birthday, March 21st, when they shut the state down, we're now in the second year of this, I'm learning to have some more boundaries to say, hey, you know what? I'm feeling like I should close my computer. The other thing is I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love to cook. So I spent more time in the kitchen trying out recipes, finding recipes on Facebook that I plan to make. So I cook, I bake. So those have been the exciting things that I've been able to kind of do. Wonderful. I have to say that I definitely should have been taking up some more time to like cook and bake. And sadly, uh, my family will not be benefiting from that because I didn't get to it. But one of the things I wish I had done, everyone's taken up a hobby except for me during this time. So, you know, tell us about, you know, the history and the work of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation for those who may not know much about it. 
Well, so absolutely. So the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation was actually founded in 2002, and it serves as the civic and philanthropic arm of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus. It's it's complementary to the work that they do, um, if you will. And so the mission of the IOBCF is to provide a forum for nonpartisan educational research, public policy development, and analysis of various issues of social and economic importance for the Illinois African-American communities and to provide students throughout Illinois with scholarships and internship opportunities to advance their educational goals. And so proudly, one of the things that happened, it, the foundation was primarily created to give scholarships. And so I'm always excited to talk about this. Um, since inception, the foundation has given close to $800,000 away in scholarships to deserving students who are um, pursuing higher education goals. And that in and of itself is, is such a great thing. We usually do our annual Black History uh, Month soiree, which we did this year as well, which was done virtually, but we were joined by our governor, J.B. Prixer, the new speaker mm -hmm. of the house, Emmanuel Chris Welch, which they served as keynote speakers. We honored the caucus and we also though gave awards out to people in the community that are doing great things that are really being essential change makers in this space. We do our golf outing, which raises money for scholarship every year. We usually do a youth civic engagement day, but that had to be canceled mm -hmm. last year, but we're thinking of doing something virtually this year. But more critically in 2020, based on everything that was happening, we decided to expand and really do some new things in terms of the foundation. We, mm -hmm. we wrote a, a proposal to address the education gap and digital divide. Um, and mm -hmm. that proposal is to help 600 families across the state of Illinois actually get technology devices to address this remote learning situation. And so we were very happy to secure that funding and actually to secure the technology. And we're rolling all of that out this year. We did a PPE giveaway. We gave away almost 20,000 pieces of PPE in the wow. districts across the state of Illinois. So we were really, really excited and intentional about the work we wanted to do. Also in terms of rolling out the social Justice and Public Policy Institute that we'll talk about a little bit later, I believe, in the podcast. But we really wanted to be extremely focused on making sure that we enhanced our programming suite so that we could really, really tangibly provide solutions to the African-American communities throughout the state. We have a internship program and a fellowship program that uh, we roll out. We also launched a partnership with the statewide urban leagues to address mm -hmm. economic recovery post-COVID, because what we know is that if most businesses and entrepreneurs, if it's going to take them three to five years to recover from, yeah. from the economic devastation of COVID, then in the African-American communities, our businesses are going to... Uh, tail behind that, trail behind that. And we really need to be just focused on making sure that those plans come together so we can make sure that our neighborhoods are sustainable. So that's a little bit about the history of the caucus, all to support scholarship and all to honor Black history. And then it just almost 20 years later, which next year will be the 20th anniversary, it has bloomed into this, this wonderful engine 
in Illinois. So I'm excited about that. Well, then what is um, this all ties in, I'm guessing, to your VIP plan as executive director? Can you break some of that down for us? Absolutely. And so I'm really glad that you asked this question. So the VIP plan, it involves visibility, infrastructure and programmatic pipeline. So when I yeah, so when I assumed this role a little over a year ago now, I really and I had sat on the board previously when I assumed this role, I I kind of just looked at some of the things that could really help just bring the foundation to just to put it in everybody's face per se. And so one of those things was visibility, looking at ways to increase our social media presence. My predecessors had done a fabulous job of establishing our social media streams, wanting to enhance that, wanting to get our message out more through our website and through constant contact, making sure that we're keeping people up to date to the best of our ability with what we're doing. And also Mm -hmm. making sure that we take advantage of certain media opportunities such as this so we can talk about the work. If no one knows what you're doing, no one can sew into you, no one can get excited about um, the, the direction and the trajectory of the organization and, and support those efforts. So once we started telling the story, right, it, the, the visibility thing is the whole notion of telling the story and articulating it in a fashion that everybody knows and it, it, it energizes people. Infrastructure really just focused on the building some foundational supports. Just it's the, the whole back office stuff, making sure mm-hmm. that our back office is strong, making sure that we've got policies and everything in place so that we are building on solid ground. And so it was really taking a look at those infrastructure things and to expand where we can to streamline where we need to and, and to really be progressive in that. The P part is the programmatic pipeline. So some of the things that I talked about before, like the education gap, but looking at what can the foundation do that's inclusive of scholarship, but also extends beyond that so that we can be this kind of beacon of hope or or, or beacon of tangible solutions, as, as I've been saying, for the constituents, um, the 16% constituents of African-Americans in the state of Illinois. And so by looking at our programmatic pipeline, what are the needs? How can we help? What is it what is feasible for us to do in this time with the resources that we have. And so that really focused on developing some programs. Like I said before, the Education Gap Digital Divide program, we're looking to to enhance that and to continue that program. We're also going to do another Juneteenth giveaway. Who can our Mm -hmm. partners be in mission that can help us accomplish this? So that's one of those things that we really, really looked at. And so that's what that programmatic pipeline is all about. That's how the Social Justice and Public Policy Institute was born. And that's how when I look at what our funding priorities will be for 2021, that's what that looks at is enhancing that programmatic pipeline. So we are ensuring that we are being the best complementary hand to the IOBC, but also in, while we interface with them, but we're also enhancing and undergirding our mission. To do yeah, so this is really helping to ensure it's guiding you and helping to ensure, you know, you're meeting the overall mission of the organization and that you reach those goals in serving your community. I mean, there are a lot of foundations out there, as you know, and it's kind of hard to compete in some ways. There's so many out there, but it sounds like what you're really trying to do too is kind of differentiate yourselves in terms of not just who you want to serve, but your approach and your mission. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and go ahead. you've talked a little bit about this too, but can you expand, you know, just what it means to be in your position doing what you're doing at this moment in time, you know, of our country's history and being and, and being so focused on trying to, to lift up the communities that you're serving and your members are serving? So, so absolutely. I, I, I think to say, to people say, I can't wait to go back to normal. The reality is the mm-hmm. world for African-American um, communities was never normal, right? Mm-hmm. We're already positioned in a very marginalized space, had been incredibly um, disenfranchised for, for, for numerous years, right? <laughs> for, for centuries, uh, to say the least. But if we're really looking at what happened last year when the pandemic hit, and now you're seeing all of these health disparities in the African-American community. And then, and then George Floyd, right, where we thought it was eight minutes and 46 seconds, turns out to be nine minutes and 29 seconds, created a, a firestorm in a community that had already been for lack of a better word, marginalized again and disenfranchised, to be in this position right now where we can help change and and positively impact the communities in which we serve is so pivotally important. It, it it, It means a tremendous amount to me to be able to do this work. I tell people I stay in a constant space of invention and and innovation and thinking about what hasn't been done from a non-for-profit lens to create tangible solutions. What Mm -hmm. policy can we create? What research do we need to, to, to get done that we have the correct data to analyze to really get at a solution? You know, I have a little bit of a public health background and I always say I want to prevent the preventable. I I want to create solutions. I no longer want to put band-aids on gushing wounds. I want to figure out how we can cauterize this issue and move on to the next so we can truly build community. So when we talk about we the people, we mean all the people, not just this one group over here or this group over there. So that's why this work is so important to me. Um, It means so much to me in this uh, moment in our country's history. It is certainly such a unique time more than ever to be leading an organization like yours when we're you know, still coming to terms and reckoning with so many things that bubbled to the surface for so many other people outside the community because of the pandemic and the aftermath of, of George Floyd. So let's shift then from you know, strategy to tactics. Like how you know, can an average citizen participate in helping the foundation? You know, I know, you know your scholarship is open for applications through the end of May. And um, now that we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel, this pandemic, are you planning anything this summer for folks? So absolutely. Um, thank you for asking that question, Becky. We always are looking for volunteers, right? And, uh, and so you can definitely volunteer with the organization when we have our events that are coming up. We also are looking for volunteers who want to do research, who want to help us just really enhance our mission. You did hit on it greatly in terms of our scholarship applications are open. So just getting the word out, sharing our communications. When you see 
us do something on social media, on our Facebook page, just sharing that is, is a really great way to help. You know, we've got some, some people who have made a commitment to donate $25 a month to the foundation through our PayPal. And it's so intriguing when you see that come in every month to say that this is what somebody's commitment has been to support us because the majority of our work is funded by donors, organizations, grant-making institutions. And so we're really excited to see the, the grassroots support happen as well. We are planning an event as uh, this summer, as I mentioned. We have our golf outing that will be coming up, and we also will have our scholarship recipient acknowledgement as we acknowledge the winners of our, yeah. of our scholarship program. So we are really, really thrilled at those those items that are coming up. And, and look out for more because I think we might be able to roll in a town hall uh, mm-hmm. and, and some panels to, to talk about what's going on. And, and, that, and that's exciting. Yeah. And I think um, now that all of us have been forced to learn how to communicate and do work through all these online platforms, I think it's actually giving like new opportunities for people to get involved and engage. It's frankly a lot easier to do a virtual town hall than an in-person town hall. And because you get more people in because not everyone can like get to where they want to go. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll like a lot of organizations like yours, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to just go reach, you know, reach people far beyond you ever were before. And, you know, speaking of reach, I know that you had a really exciting announcement a couple of months ago where you received significant support from Amazon. So what does that partnership look like? And what kind of an impact do you hope that's going to have on the communities you, you serve and the, and the programming you're, you're, you've created around your new institute? So absolutely. Really, really excited about this partnership. Amazon said that they wanted to help communities. And I'm hoping that there'll be other funders that help support our social justice and public policy institute as we move forward. But this partnership, it's really amazing because what it's allowing us to do, and it's going to focus on workforce development education, and this is the specific partnership with uh, Amazon in terms of the Social Justice Public Policy Institute, is workforce development education and economic access opportunity and equity, right, which are are part of the pillars that the ILBC launched. And it's going to allow us to take a deeper dive with research analysis, to have small business and entrepreneurship roundtables, to be able to provide some more education and training around what's needed for us to be able to analyze, are there more innovative ways additionally that we can be putting things forth that can impact the African-American communities throughout the state of Illinois in a major way. So we're looking to roll out a round table. It is also giving us a space to do our HBCU internship program where we have, if you're a resident from Illinois and you attend an HBCU, we have a virtual mm-hmm. internship opportunity available for you where you will receive receive a stipend. And so that when, when we get into doing things like that, it becomes a very exciting time. We can do more town halls that can be funded, that we can bring more people in and get more engagement from the community, which is what we always need to drive. Mm-hmm. We need these inputs from the community, right, to drive our outputs. And so that is what we're looking to do in this 
Social Justice Public Policy Institute to develop white papers, to develop a plan and, and do some strategic targeting so that we know where we need to go to, to build onto the next phase, right? Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to uh, eradicate generational wealth, right? The generational wealth gap. And I look at wealth in terms of not just financial, right? Wealth is knowledge. Wealth mm-hmm. is access. Wealth, wealth is a plethora of things if you really yeah. look at what the true meaning is. And so our hope with the Social Justice and Public Policy Institute is to really look at that term of how do you get rid of this generational wealth gap and, and mm-hmm. how do you define wealth so that everybody can can be a part of, um, of filling it? Yes. I mean, that that addresses really things from, you know, housing insecurity, food mm-hmm. insecurity, personal safety, I, all those issues that like you, you don't have an experience when you are under-resourced and right. live in communities that are underinvested. Yeah. And I always try to think like there's silver linings and tragedies like the pandemic or the murder of George Floyd. And if anything, I hope that people are, are starting to, to really recognize um, what these inequities are and are starting to raise their hand to, to be helpful and to just recognize it, right? Just admit that it exists. Because <laughs> I think that's the, the, the door opener to, you know, helping to, to bring that kind of change. So right. no the, longer turning a blind eye, right? Like, right. Right. You can't ignore it anymore. <laughs> You've got to call the problem the problem to fix the problem. That's yes. And, and I'm convinced that people being home during the pandemic and, and not focused on their own little things in life that they were wrapped up in or whatever, that they've been forced to listen and to see this mm-hmm. and to read about it and learn about it. So, so your foundation is at a place in a moment in time where you might have more to leverage to get things done than ever, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Yes. Um, I think the the caucus um, itself, like added a couple more members recently, and obviously it is separate from the foundation, the Black Caucus versus the Black Caucus Foundation. But, you know, as the caucus expands its members, you know, how does that, you know, what kind of impact does that have on the foundation, you think? Well, I, I think, first of all, to take a step back from the hat of the ED, talking about adding members to the Black Caucus as a resident of Illinois is is wonderful, right? Because mm-hmm. what you have is you have representation matters. And so representation matters on all levels, but it, it matters to, to expand it, to realize that in these spaces, because the two members that were added, right, are, are really the first African-Americans to represent those spaces. And I think to, to understand the, the reach and the scope of the brilliance of people and not have it be segregated to um, what you perceive as a certain area is is quite great. And and for the foundation, it it gives us more ideas on what the needs are in communities that we've had our eyes on to be able to expand to because there is a a, a saturation of African-American constituents that live there, like 30 to 40 percent. And that's something that I've been analyzing since last year um, in, in some of these areas across the 
the state of Illinois, like Cairo, and and uh, they have these representation, this uh, these representation of both, but not necessarily have the voice at the table per se. It's a good look for the foundation just to be able to expand. Um, yeah. How so yeah, that means you just have more, do. yeah, more representation, you know, at the table in Springfield, which is always a positive. <laughs> now, I feel pretty convinced that after our listeners hear you speak today, that they can tell that you're deeply drawn to lead and that you understand what leading and leadership means. So, what kind of leadership lessons in particular do you think? you've had to draw from this year and how has, how has your leadership ability maybe even evolved in the wake of this past 12, 13 months? So ab- absolutely. I think I go back to, to one thing and, that, and maybe this is not going to be how I'm supposed to start this question off, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm a big superhero fan, right? And so the yeah. first leadership lesson I had to learn is that Wonder Woman also allowed herself to be Princess Diana every once in a while. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and and um, every once in a while, while you're out here trying to save the world and, and put everything on your back, flying around in your invisible plane mm-hmm. um, with, with, with your lasso of truth. Right. <laughs> Keeping people once, real. And yes. <laughs> this is what, every once in a while, you have to allow yourself to be Princess Diana and, and 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 pull your hair back or let your hair down and 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 enjoy who you are. Yeah. It's a it's a whole Stephen Covey type of thing, right? Sharpen the saw, right? Um, yeah. How do you? It's that balance that you have to have because as a leader, if you you give everything and you don't take a step back, then the reality is that you might not be able to lead the next day. And so yeah. the ability to find respite for your soul is so is is one of the most important leadership lessons that I have learned from the last year. The second one is partners are your friends. Being Mm -hmm. able to someone said asked me how important it is to be a black woman leader in this time. I said just as important as it is to be a black woman collaborator. To be a mm-hmm. black woman listener, to be a black woman uh, seed sower, because if you do not do those things, then the leadership journey that you're on will not have the impact that you're hoping it will have. Because being a leader is also about being inclusive and understanding that there's enough space and enough room at the table for not only the elders, mm-hmm. but for yourself and for the, the, the people coming behind you. Yes. Here in that journey. So you, it's, it's like the importance of succession planning, right? The importance yeah. of looking ahead and looking to the future and understanding and, and being joyous in the moment. That is a, a, a continual, it's a, like a, a, a continual cycle that keeps us going. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that that's the lesson, right? Those are the leadership lessons that I have drawn from. They're not emancipative or anything, but they are so true to the core of what, of what needs to happen. And, and I think the final thing is integrity always wins. It doesn't yeah. matter. I've, I've lived my life 
with the African principle called Iwapuele, which means good character, which equates to having good integrity. Integrity always wins, no matter if you think you can fudge and erase the line here and move this there and mm -hmm. tell a little lie here and do this. It never wins because it always comes to the forefront and it, and it creates distrust and, and, and disharmony. But if you go into yeah. things with integrity, integrity will always win. And, and that is the best leadership lesson that I continue to draw from and continue to be even more impactful during this past year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are, those are some very good lessons. <laughs> I think I could probably take away a couple of them, <laughs> especially like, I mean, especially for yourself and women take on so many roles and wear so many hats. I mean, we're always the ones to raise our hands and take more on and take more on. And especially during the pandemic, but I like to think we've also just learned a lot about ourselves over this last year that makes us feel more confident in our, about our ability to persevere through times like this. And I think I'm going to make myself a couple of notes about the things you recommended we should do. And I'll remind uh, my husband that I have to go do a couple of things for myself maybe this weekend. So we'll see. It, it, it's, it's important. And I was I literally a couple of weeks ago, I spent 12 hours in the ER because- wow. I thought I was Wonder Woman and I was not. And the doctors were like, wow. we don't know how you're still alive. And wow. so when those things happen, you literally have to take a step back and take stock in yourself and realize, listen, it's going to get done. This is not going to say that I'm not on my grind and I'm not making things happen. But if you don't tend to you, and kind of listen to your internal compass, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where will you be? Yeah. We often doubt what's best for us because we feel like we have so much to do for others and it's a lesson learned and you don't want to end up in the ER because you've been doing <laughs> too much for others and not yourself. That's right. Um, so so as we come to a closer, I always say like when you start these, you just like fly right by, but you know, as we come to a close, like how can listeners continue to follow you and how can we keep tabs on the latest from the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation? Absolutely. Before I say that, I just definitely want to shout out the IOBC and their leadership with Chairwoman Sonia Harper as the joint chair, the Rep Cam Buckner as the House Chair and Senate Chair Robert Peters. Tremendous leadership team going on over there. Definitely mm -hmm. want to give some kudos to my board from the foundation side. Chair Chairman Paul Williams is, is an excellent person to learn from and to um, do this good work with Vice Chair Vince Williams. It just really... I know uh, both of those guys. Yes, yes they're good people. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> wonderful people and just as, as we continue to grow, the board is, is just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous board that's committed to the good work of the foundation and committed to us expanding our work through our mission. Um, so where people can follow us and, and, and learn all about us, we definitely have a Facebook page. We definitely are on Twitter and we're definitely on Instagram. So you can definitely just look up the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation on all of those uh, social media platforms to find us. You can sign up to be on our mailing list by going to our website, www.iobc.com. 
www.ftf.org and you can um, subscribe there. And so you'll be a follower on our website, which would be wonderful. If you want to be on our mailing list or ask a question, you can do so through info at iobcf.org. You can ask to be on our mailing list. You can say, hey, we want to donate all of this money to your good work. Um, we will accept that we are a 501c3 organization. <laughs> right. <laughs> shameless plug, but you can definitely um, do those things. And that is a great way to keep up with us and what we're doing currently. Well, that's wonderful. And I really, really want to thank you. This was like a nice feel good conversation, even with some heavy topics involved. And I can really tell that you love what you do, which is really important. And thank you, you know, of course, for all you were doing. And I look forward to continuing being able to connect with you as we've been doing recently. And thanks again for being on our show. No, thank you, Becky. It's been a pleasure. And you have been so gracious to me um, in terms of some of my journey just recently that I'm just very grateful to you and very thankful for you um, providing the foundation and myself this platform. Well, I am always here anytime, as you know. And And we just want to thank again Tiffany Hightower, the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus Foundation, for being our guest on today's show. And as always, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Thank you again to our sponsor, Evolve Her, and to our regular podcast host, 1871. The broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton. Additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora and additional production support provided by Emma Kluber. Music by the Christy Bennett Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about Sea Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at SeaStrategiesShy or at SeaStrategies.com. So come, let the world 